Welcome to the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. If you're an entrepreneur and you're driven by your faith or want to be driven by your faith, then you're in the right place. This is a podcast brought to you by Faith Driven Entrepreneur. You can check us out at faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. This podcast doesn't exist without you, our community. Please send us any questions, any thoughts you have about how this podcast might better serve you, and any thoughts about or questions on being a faith-driven entrepreneur. Welcome back to the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. We've got a special two-part interview that kicks off this week with a good friend of ours, Mike Sherrill. Mike is a great guy, and he is one of the great leaders in the faith and workspace. He runs a group called C12, and C12 is one of those workplace ministries, places where you can go in a local community and get together with other business owners and talk about best practices and things like hiring and firing and how to grow businesses and get financing. And then also, as you might imagine, pray together. C12 is not the only game in town. It may be the only game in your town, but it's not the only game in town in terms of the broader workplace ministry movement. There are other great ones. FCCI is a fantastic one. There's CBMC. There is Convene. And then there's also Truth at Work. And there are others, too. All great places to get together. Mike knows, of course, C12 well, but he's a great leader in the broader space working with the other ministry leaders. Today, we kick off a two-part interview with Mike. And Mike talks a bit about his experience and his journey. Uh, I know that you can enjoy this. And I hope that you'll stay tuned with us next week to finish off with part two. All right, here's Mike. Many of you who are listening to podcasts know that we are known for a daily blog, despite the fact that I'm a lousy writer. Fortunately, we've been able to get some great guest bloggers. We are known for a weekly podcast and a monthly newsletter. Well, on the daily blogs, the best one that we've had so far, and we did a top 10 list that came out on the newsletter, uh, is Mike Sharrow's. And we've got some great blogs, by the way. There are some really good ones. Uh, You'll notice that on Mondays, we tend to have an inspirational video, and some of them are really, really good. And then we've got some great commentary about what it looks like to be a faith-driven entrepreneur. And I want to direct your attention when you get to it, to the blog, and then you can do a search for Shero, S-H-A-R-R-O-W, or C12. And you'll come across one that he wrote that's entitled, Beyond God Bless You and Merry Christmas. And it's really good. And I think it'll be an encouragement to you. And so it's a special treat for us to have Mike on board. For those of you who don't know, C12 is a workplace ministry. And Faith Driven Entrepreneur is meant to be the top end of the funnel, just to be an encouragement. And we love doing the podcast, of course. But it's super, super, super important that you're involved in a local community. We've talked before on the program about Inkling, something we do out here and it's done in other places. But there's something really special about being in a group of peers together that are in the same stage of business, looking at the same type of problems that are local, that you can be in relationship with. Many of us have heard of stories of people being in something like a YPO. Well, there is indeed a Christ-following version of that. And there are a number of great workplace ministries, FCCI, Convene, and Truth at Work, and others. But none in my book is any better than C12. And part of that, of course, is due to the fact that it's led by somebody who's really serious about bringing business owners together. So we've got Mike on the program, um, and I want Mike to be able to talk to us about some of the things he's observed by being in the marketplace, about why he was called to this position and some of his experience in working with groups and being in a group himself. But before we do that, this is the first time we've ever had anybody from Alaska on the podcast, (laughs) and that's a super big deal. 
And we need to get somebody from South Dakota, too, because South Dakota has been one of these states where they haven't really completely embraced the concept of the Fate of an Entrepreneur podcast. But right now, uh, we are really fired up about having somebody from Alaska. He writes about that a little bit in his blog. Mike, what's it like growing up in Alaska? <laughs> that's quite – that's like my favorite intro ever, Henry. Um, <laughs> so Alaska, we used um, – you know, I live in Texas now, which is really difficult because Alaska is 2.12 times the size of Texas, which is a statistic wow. that every Alaskan grows up knowing. It's very important to remind Texans <laughs> of that. Wow. Um, Don't mess with I Alaska. Think, but it's it's pretty impossible, I think, to grow up in a place like Alaska and not have a high sense of majesty and awe because, I mean, it's just one of those places that is kind of a sensory overload of God's creative ability. So growing up there, I think – was a great petri dish to get a right-sized perspective of how small I am and how mm. big God is and to uh, mm. have regular reminders of that. You know, I've always wanted to ask someone from Alaska, does it feel far away when you live there? Yeah, I, well, the rest of the world feels like a different world. So you don't feel removed as much as everyone else feels like it's Mars because it's just such a distant deal. But I think the weird thing is it's cosmopolitan because no one's really from Alaska. Everyone's from somewhere else in the world. So like mm. my neighborhood was, you know, a family from Uzbekistan, Samoans, Japanese, Korean military. So you kind of felt like you were a tribe of transplants living in this new colony for humanity. Mm. Samoans in Alaska, that's gotta be some culture shock. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of Samoans in Alaska. Wow. Very cool. So tell us about, so C12 is going to be a new workplace ministry and workplace groups are going to be a new concept for some number of the folks that are listening to this podcast. Can mm-hmm. you, before you talk about your experience with C12, what you do, how you got started, tell us, give us an overview of the workplace ministry movement and why somebody might even consider it. Somewhere along the way, I don't know if anybody has been able to figure out the date. I know David Miller and some guys at Princeton have done some great works on the God at Work kind of history. Um, but somewhere along the way, we developed this weird dichotomy of this kind of Sunday, Monday, sacred-secular divide that just most Christians fall into. And I never was sat down by a pastor and given a bad theology. You always kind of grow up in it. Um, and so for about a century, there's been a bit of a resurgence of people trying to get more intentional in different ways around – faith in the workplace, I'd argue it's not a new movement. It's kind of like when my church went from Sunday school to small group, someone said, where's this new small group thing? I'm like, well, that's actually the oldest format of church. You know, Sunday school is a new idea. Uh, house groups is old. I, I think my perspective on theology of work would be that God's always been using people in the workplace and using entrepreneurs to be his agents of proclaiming his gospel. But the faith and work movement in the last 60, 70 years bubbled up in pockets. Sometimes folks just on things like evangelism. So how do business people get together and say, let's reach people for Christ? Certainly been a long history of things around philanthropy. Let's intentionally be strategic about our giving and things like that. And then CBMC was a great pioneer in really disciple making in the workplace and gathering people together to hold each other accountable to being ambassadors for Christ. Mm-hmm. And then back in the 80s, Fellowship of Christian Companies International, FCCI, really was a grandfather in a movement of encouraging people to get together and talk about this and say, you know, let's do fellowship and let's spur each other on to merge faith in the workplace. And essentially, it feels like about the last 25 years has been a bit of a, um, a combustion of more energy there. A number of groups were formed in the early 90s together. And 
I would say there's a big uptick in the popularity. If you were to go back and Google books on faith and work, there really weren't any until the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doug Sherman wrote the book, Your Work Matters to God, as a master's thesis at Dallas Seminary. And that was kind of the first title of its kind in that space. And then now there's dozens and dozens of great books. So it, it's, it feels like one of those um, adoption curves is just finally beginning to spike up. Yeah. But 90% of the entrepreneurs I talk to around the country, when I talk to them about this, I'm usually the first one introducing the concept still. So it's mm-hmm. still a pretty big blue ocean in terms of awareness and mature thought. Yeah. So how would you introduce the concept of getting together? And you heard me kind of stumble through it a little bit, but what does it look like for somebody who's listening to this? And they're probably thinking, you know, there must be some sort of regular meeting of people, but how do you put it together? And then what's your take on how it works and then, yeah, tell us about how you got involved in it. I think that you came into leadership from C12 from having actually been in a group, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was a customer. So I think the hardest part about any kind of Christian business group is what do you expect it to be? And so many of us may have been like in a men's Bible study or a, a marketplace prayer breakfast type gathering. And so it's associated as being more of that. And there certainly are groups like that. And I would encourage anybody listening, like every leader should be in a group of some mm-hmm. kind. You know, grab some peers, whether it's five peers you find locally at your church or community, or whether it's a formal brand, like you shouldn't do this alone. And that can look like prayer and Bible study, but it can also begin to look really rigorous where like you mentioned, you take the same expectations of a YPO or a Vistage and say, what would it look like to merge business excellence and all that kind of mastermind experience I'd expect for my business with the biblical worldview? And that's a different set of groups. And so usually when I get someone to come to a C12 group, their first response afterwards attending is, I thought it was going to be a glorified Bible study. I didn't, man, I didn't know you were going to be dealing with real business issues. So like I just was in a meeting last week and I was at a table of 13 guys and gals. We had everything from a, a $3 million home health care business to a $2.5 billion publicly traded company and everything in between. And we worked on things like what's God's view on profits and pricing and how do we position the value of our companies in our marketplaces in a way that honors God and creates growth. And so we got pretty rigorous looking at some Bain and HBR research and looking at some Grudem material and theology of profits in business. and got really serious on value propositions and strategy. But then we also pivoted and looked at, you know, whole life stewardship and what does it look like to be a husband, father, son of God in the middle of all that? And, you know, what's the eternal impact we can have? So it's a pretty multifaceted idea. And I think for me, it hinges on the idea that we live one life. And so I'm not trying to just do business and not do bad, then one day do good. But each day is a day to live out the gospel, and our business is not an impediment to that. I think it's actually the most effective crucible of that. I think it's great what you're doing, Mike. I think that the time couldn't be better. Back in 2006, a buddy of mine and I wrote a book called Talent Force, and we're revisiting it now for a second book. And one of the chapters we wrote in was the cultural obsession of work. And we're now thinking about a retitle of the work obsession of culture, because with millennials and uh, the extra emphasis on culture inside of the workplace, as we're seeing all around us, whether that be bad culture or hopefully better culture, um, it seems like everybody cares. So as a faith-driven business person, faith-driven entrepreneur, what's your advice on how to help someone in their particular workplace push into the culture, be a part of making the culture better. Any sage words that you've taken from all of your interactions? 
So, you know, I think that whole topic is one of the great advantages, frankly, that believers have in the marketplace today, if we'll lean into it. I think both from a talent attraction and recruitment and engagement perspective, and then a just an apologetic in culture, is there is a, a thirst and a hunger for the fruits of the gospel, and people just don't know the sources. And John Orberg wrote a wonderful book years ago, uh, Who Was This Man?, looking at kind of the anthropological impact of Jesus. And so many people in today's workforces are wanting love and justice and compassion and meaning and dignity and all these things that are really historically bizarre concepts apart from Jesus. And so Christians have a chance to engage those conversations. If you're a manager, executive, or business owner, you get a chance to actually anchor culture resolutions, like, hey, we're going to behave this way, we're going to value this way, because for me, it anchors back in who Jesus is and what he said in his Bible. And that's a pretty powerful way to engage employees. We've seen, if you've been doing work on culture, one of the big issues Gallup's highlighted the last few years is that most workforces are not engaged, right? You've got like a 39 to 45% engagement level. So we've got a, a warehouse logistics company in Houston, Texas, uh, 150 employees, they literally moved their engagement level from 39% to 76%, which is like off the charts unheard of, mm-hmm. by engaging their culture around meaning and purpose and significance and these biblical values that actually really unleashed human flourishing in that company. And that became a competitive advantage in his industry. And I think Christians, I think, sometimes have this myopic view that being a Christian at work means I'm just going to blab a lot about the gospel in, <laughs> in an evangelistic way. And not realize like it's so much more robust than that. And people are actually yearning for cultures that you're engaging in your workplace. Yeah, that's that, great. That's, Thank you. That's really interesting, Mike, because we get a lot of feedback that, uh, you know, some of the things people love talking about and hearing about on the podcast are specific examples of how people have integrated their faith and work, for, you know, and, and what does spiritual integration actually mean from a practical point of view. I'd love to just maybe hear from you a couple of companies, maybe two or three examples where, you know, you've seen some concrete actions that came out of a C12 group uh, that people employed that really changed their culture or changed the way they ran their business or anything just more from a practical point of view. Yeah, I've got endless supply of that. So um, (laughs) I'll take an interesting one. We uh, were doing a conversation a few years ago with some entrepreneurs around the idea of uh, decay of marriage in, in culture. And we brought in a marriage expert, and he was sharing some statistics around the rate of marital decay. And one of the stats that was said that was really provocative was, hey, any given point in time, probably 27% of your employees are in such an acute place of marital distress, they're probably on the verge of divorce. And we stopped and said, okay, as small, medium business owners, what does that mean? Well, there was a bit of a, a naivete that some small, medium business owners were going, well, I know my employees, and that wouldn't be true at my company. Um, we've got a really family culture that wouldn't happen to us. And the guru was like, well, you may live in utopia, but I've not found a place where these stats aren't true, so how about you go test it? So this one owner had a 27-employee engineering company. He goes back calls us team meeting and says, hey, I've got some stats that said there might be people even in our team that you're struggling in marriages. And I'm not aware of this. Once you let you know, I'd be happy to provide resources, you know, line up with counselors, retreats, but I'd do anything I could to help you if that was going on. Um, tell you what, next Thursday, let's just do a lunch and learn on the topic of marriage. I'll throw a DVD in, and if anybody wants to come, you can come. Well, 19 of the 26 employees showed up to this ad hoc lunch and learn. Threw a DVD in, fumbled through some concepts, and two employees came to him the next day and said, "I'm actually, we're actually filling out divorce papers right now, and we didn't want you mm. to know wow. because we didn't want you to question our performance or loyalty. 
Well, fast forward, they began to have these lunch and learns. Three months later, those guys tore up their divorce papers in his office wow. and said, it's because you opened up this conversation in the workplace that our marriages still exist. Well, that sent a powerful shockwave through that small business around what matters, um, what the owner's really about, um, how they care for one another. He didn't anticipate this. It also dramatically changed the sense of loyalty and kind of commitment to, hey, this team matters. We care about each other way beyond just widgets. So that's a significant thing that changed the ethos of that company. You got that's the logistics. Yeah. My favorite part of that story is the fact that he just threw a DVD in and kind of stumbled through some concepts. Yeah. So, the, yeah. you know, clearly not a trained marriage counselor. Right. And uh, he's got a DVD, so he's clearly antiquated. Yeah. Uh, and But he just created a space for people just to be able to process ideas in community. Yeah, I think if another one that this represents the subtle shift. I think people overcomplicate how hard it'll be to get started. This one guy ran yeah. a warehousing business, uh, about 750 employees, great Christian CEO. Everyone knew he was a believer, what church he went to. And we asked him, like, hey, how do you, how do you feel like you're doing really advancing the gospel workplace? And he said, well, I invite everyone to church. And so I don't know if the gospel is invite everyone to church. What if it's just meeting them there and having them encounter Jesus authentically through you? And we said, have you ever had a conversation about that with an employee or a coworker? And he never had. And then he got all anxious, being like, well, I don't know if I want to go get somebody saved. And we're like, well, again, not your job. What if you just make a goal to find out where people are at on your team, just know their stories, and open up those kind of conversations? And so we gave him a, a quota the next month was to talk to three people and find out where they were. We gave him a, some materials from Reggie Campbell on, on kind of a way to have that conversation. He called me the next day and he said, Mike, I – I don't know what happened. I accidentally led George to Christ this morning. I didn't, I didn't mean to. I was just trying to figure out where he was. And next thing we know, we fumble into this deal. And well, fast forward, this guy, 25 years as a CEO, had never seen any spiritual event in his company. He had 37 people come to Christ over the next 18 months, about 100 people engage in workplace study groups, and people began discipling one another. And this thing just started changing. And I went to his company picnic where this gruff guy from the warehouse came up to me and said, Mike, I've learned more about what it means to authentically follow Jesus, watching what's happened in this company the last year than my previous 27 years going in and out of churches. Wow. That was just kind of a snowball of a guy beginning to connect that I don't need to bring people here to my church. I need to, I just need to bring the kingdom of God here authentically in relationship and, and see where those things go. Again, significant business results. His turnover went from 300% to 100%. Sure. Um, a total change of the ethos of that company. That's, That's really, really interesting. interesting. You mentioned Reggie Campbell. Reggie's with Radical Mentoring, is that right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell us more about that. Tell about how you employ – do you employ mentoring through these work groups? What did you go so, to Reggie for? So, yeah, I love Reggie. I had breakfast with him a few weeks ago. Reggie wrote a great book years ago called About My Father's Business. And it's a great book for many regards, but I think it's worth its price of admission just for one little tool he uses called an intentionality map which is a great little device for just thinking through how to engage and find out where people are at in your company mm. and talk to them and relieve yourself of the pressure that I've got to meet you, figure out who you are and get you saved. But really just go, how do I contribute to God's work in this person's life? Whatever yeah. that looks like. So we've hijacked that tool and used it in some of our content. So we, we have a nine-year curriculum cycle that goes through this whole journey of a biblical worldview on business and practical business best practices. And we'll grab best things like Reggie's tool along the way to uh, create some tangible application pieces. Thank you for listening to part one of Mike Shero's interview. 
Be sure to join us for part two next week for the exciting conclusion. How about that for Cliffhanger on a Faith and Work podcast? The exciting conclusion of a rich discussion with Mike. Thank you so much for joining us on the Faith Driven Entrepreneur podcast. Please go to faithdrivenentrepreneur.org and let us know if you have any questions, any of those tough ones that you'd like us to tackle. If you have any videos, articles, sermons, or podcasts that have been helpful to you on your journey, we'd love to see them too. Just send them our way. Lastly, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you in any way, we'd appreciate you commenting, sharing it with others, and subscribing. This podcast would not be possible without help from many of our friends. Music by Carl Cadwell. You can see more of his work at summerdregs.com. Audio by Richard Barley of Cornerstone Church in San Francisco. And editing by Johnny Shearer.